Well, good morning and welcome to Soul City Church. My name is Jeannie Stevens and I am uh, the lead girl boss of Soul City Church. And uh, we are thrilled that you are here today. I am so excited to dive into week two of this Girl Bosses of the Bible series. Uh, And I'm excited to introduce you to a very familiar girl boss today, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Uh, and, And she is an absolutely extraordinary leader, and I'm so excited for us to take a look at her life in a different kind of way today. And uh, before we dive into that, you know, many years ago, uh, when I first started preaching and leading, I kind of made this uh, agreement with myself and with Jesus. And the agreement was this, that any message I was going to give, I wanted to make sure that it was first preached in me before it was ever preached out of me. And it has served as an incredible way uh, in my relationship with Jesus, in my own personal surrender, uh, to make myself available, fully, wholly available to the work that God wants to do in and through our community in my own life before I ever try and offer it to our community. And that is true uh, for me as a leader, uh, that is true for me as a teacher, and that is true for me as somebody that gives here at this church. Uh, You know, every single time that we gather, uh, we have an opportunity to pause and to give back to what God is doing in and through this church. And I don't know about you, uh, but whenever I'm watching somebody uh, step into a moment where they're going to invite others to give, I kind of have this curiosity that grows in my heart. Maybe you're like me. And my curiosity goes something like this. Well, I wonder if they practice what they preach. I wonder if they actually do what they're going to ask all of us to do right now. It's kind of like when I go and work out. Um, I, I like the person that's teaching the class to do the workout with me. If I'm going to suffer through burpees, we should all suffer through burpees, right? And, and I kind of feel the same way about leadership. I feel the same way about teaching. And I feel the same way about giving. And I want to let you know uh, with humility uh, it is our joy to not only pastor this, t- this church, uh, it is our joy to give to what God is doing here in this church. Jarrett and I have been tithing to this church before it was Soul City Church, and we love giving here. We love giving above and beyond to things like For the Love, to our Christmas store, to our Back to School Bash. And, and I don't say that to you with a cavalier spirit. I say that to you with a cheerful spirit, actually. Uh, you know, the, the scriptures say in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, that each of us should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And you know, giving has brought so much joy to our lives. That's why I always enjoy inviting you to give. And so our host team is going to come and uh, we are going to give back to what God is doing in and through this church right now. Uh, We say this to you every week. Uh, There's three different ways for you to give. Uh, Those of you that call this place your home, uh, in a moment you can give as we pass the buckets. Lots of you like to text in to give and the number is actually up on the screen. And many of you uh, that love to be consistent with your giving, uh, you have set it up online. And that's a great way uh, for you to give. But if Soul City Church is your home, I want to invite you to give cheerfully now. And you know, uh, giving uh, produces such an amazing opportunity for us, doesn't it? To let go of what we so often want to hold on to. 
And as people, it's not just our resources that we struggle to let go of. There have been actually countless studies done on what it is that people most want what it is that they most desire. And the thing that they most desire, once they get it, they want to make sure that they can hold on to it. Now, I can imagine that you can think of some of the things that people most want because they are the things that you most want. Marvin, we can totally stop now. You good? Awesome. All right. There wasn't, there wasn't going to be a break, and I just felt like, you know, he needed to know, or he was going to be up there playing the entire time. Take two. All right, there have been countless studies done on what it is that people most want, what they most desire, and that thing, once you get it, that thing that you most desire, so often when we desire it, we don't want to let go of it. True? And just think about some of the things that maybe you most want in your life. How many of you would say you want happiness in your life? Yeah, happiness is a good thing to want. Yeah, how many of you would say you'd like some more resources in your life? Yeah, money. Uh, let's be honest, right? We're in church. We might as well tell the truth. Uh, how many of you would say uh, you want some more freedom in your life, that, that you would appreciate some more freedom? Or maybe for you, it's peace. You would like some more peace or, or perhaps fulfillment or confidence. Maybe for you, it's just you would like a limitless supply of chips and guacamole without any calories ever in your life. Those, that's one of the things that I most want in my life. And the funny thing is, is that psychologists and sociologists have concluded that there are actually only three desires that we all have in our lives. There's three basic categories of wants, three basic categories of desires that we have. Every human being wants these things. Those things that we want are approval, control, and security. Approval, control, and security. Approval is that desire to belong, the desire to be loved and liked, wanted, valued, appreciated, seen, respected, to be a part of something. I mean, how many of you have said, I have wanted those things in my life? I know I have. The second desire is control. Control is trying to make sure that everything in life goes the way you want it to go. We try to control all kinds of things. We try to control ourselves. We try to control others. We try to control circumstances. We even try to control God and everything in between. Security is the third desire. Security is that most basic of core desires because at its root, wanting security is wanting to survive. We want financial security, occupational security, material security, and relational security. And these are the basic desires of all people. In fact, the things that you most want probably fit in one of those three categories. In fact, I want you to think about something that you want in your life right now, something that maybe you even had a conversation with somebody about, something that you desire to happen in your life. Maybe for you, you want more resources, and that's the thing you found yourself in conversations where you found yourself saying, you know, I just wish I got paid a little bit more. I wish I had a better job. That desire for more resources is the desire for security. 
Think about maybe for you, you want to find a fulfilling relationship with another person. If that's a want in your life, that's the desire for approval from another person. Maybe you want to have a meaningful career where you are living out your purpose and your passion. That is both the desire for approval and security. Maybe if you're a parent, you want your kids to listen to you. That's the desire for control. Maybe if you're married, you want your spouse to listen to you. That is also the desire for control. Maybe you just want anyone to listen to you. (laughs) That is the desire for control. And approval, control, and security is what we want at a basic level. And that is especially true of leaders. Every single boss, every leader that has ever been on a leadership journey in their life has had a wanting of approval, control, and security. And these things are not bad in and of themselves. Yet, the very best leaders, the very best bosses, specifically the girl boss that we're going to look at today, she found so much more than just approval, control, and security. Not by going after it, and not by trying to to wrap her arms around it and hold on, but actually by letting go. And yet, so many of us are afraid to do this. We're so afraid to let go of approval, control, and security. In fact, think, think in your own life right now. What are you afraid will happen if you let go of approval, control, and security? What are you afraid will happen in your life if you let go of approval, control, of security? If, if you let go of how you are perceived by others, what are you afraid will happen? If you let go of how things actually get done, if you let go of how much money you really need to be secure, some of you right now, you are already sweating at the thought of having to let go of approval, control, and security. And I want to show you what it looks like when we actually do let these things go in our lives. In fact, everybody, I want you to take your fists and I want you to squeeze them, hold them up and squeeze them as hard as you possibly can. Like if you can, cut off the blood flow in your arms right now, right? Squeeze, are you squeezing your fingers really hard and making a tight fist? You know that feeling right now that's in your arms? It's heavy, isn't it? It's tight. Forced. Now I just want you to open up your hands. (laughs) Feels light, doesn't it? It feels free. It feels relaxed. It feels like flow, doesn't it? It feels like what it's supposed to be. And if this is what feels better to us, if this even feels physically feels better to us, I wonder why so many of us are so afraid to let go of this. We're so afraid to stop living our lives 
like this. And today we're going to look at the most unsuspecting girl boss, someone that we can learn from, because what Mary did was Mary mastered the art of letting go. And, you know, just a few weeks ago, I was getting ready to uh, go on a 48-hour solitude retreat. Every uh, about three to four months, I go away on a 48-hour solitude retreat, and it is so good for me to be still and to be silent before God. And, and right before I was getting ready to leave, I was in a meeting with a few people here at Soul City, and, and we were working through something, and, and I don't even remember what we were talking about, but what I do remember is that I was really frustrated about something and I was really struggling with something and honestly I don't even know what it was that I was frustrated about and the people that I was in the meeting with started asking to me um like can you go to the retreat early what time is the check-in do they let people come on these retreats even earlier than was planned because they could tell they could tell that I was wrapping my arms around something and trying to gain some control, and I needed to practice the art of letting go. And you know, it was while I was on that retreat, I was at this um, convent up north, and, and it was while I was on that retreat and while I was in the silence, as I walked around the grounds, I started paying attention to the many different statues of Mary. And I decided to, to go back to my room and to read uh, different parts of the Gospels that she is a part of. And what I saw was I saw a leader who was trusted and who people followed, not because she was charismatic or convincing, but because of her willingness to lead through letting go. And it was there that I decided that I wanted to teach on Mary as this girl boss in the Bible. And you know, if I'm being really honest, what I saw in Mary's life and leadership was a quality that I often so struggle to own in my own life. And Mary became the leader that she was through this unlikely path of letting go, and that is why I'm excited for us to dive deeper into her story today. So I want to invite you to grab the Bible that is in the seat in front of you, we're going to turn to Luke 1. It's found on page 830. Luke 1, the very beginning of Luke, page 830. And you know, I think it's unfortunate that we only tend to look at Mary during the Christmas season. It's the only time we tend to pay her any attention. And I think the things that we are going to learn from her life today are so helpful for every season that we are in. And as you're turning to uh, Luke 1, I want to give you a little bit of context on Mary. You know, Mary is probably the most notable woman in the scriptures and really throughout history. Uh, people have written about her, they've studied her, they've tried to emulate her. There are traditions of faith that actually worship her. They believe that she had significant power. Mary has been at the center of many controversies in church history. Artists have painted her and sculpted her. Musicians have written glorious music about her. Uh, historians continue to try to understand her significance and the significance in the life of Jesus, the Messiah. And many people have really tried to boil Mary down as this uh, gentle quiet and compliant servant of God that just obeyed the angel Gabriel. 
But Mary was anything but compliant and quiet. And when the world first meets Mary, they just meet this ordinary Jewish teenager who is called to an extraordinary task. So we're gonna dive into Luke 1, starting in verse 26. And it says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Now, Elizabeth was Mary's cousin. God sent an angel to Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. So this is quite the introduction that Mary has with an angel in her living room, right? The story goes on and it says, But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Now, let's pause right there, because Mary seems to ask a pretty logical question in that moment. How will this be? Clearly, someone had had the birds and the bees talk with Mary, correct? Uh, And so here's an angel in her living room telling her that she is going to become pregnant with the Son of God. So she's got a valid question. How will this be? And, And I'm so glad, I am so glad that God did not pick me to be the mother of Jesus. Because the the scriptures literally would have read like this. Angel enters woman's house. Woman screams in holy terror. Woman pees her pants. She passes out. When she comes around, woman starts freaking out over the fact that she is about to have a baby. And oh yeah, the father is God. That's how, that's how the scriptures would have been written. So it's really good. God in his omnipotence and in his power and in his sovereignty knew who not to pick. I would have never said, Lord, how will this be? That, that would have never been my question. I would have been like, what? What? Oh my gosh. I'm going to have a baby and it's God's? How am I going to explain this to people? That's how the scriptures would have been written if I were Mary. I'm not Mary. The scriptures go on, though, and they say, The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. Now listen to Mary's response. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered, May your word to me be fulfilled. May your word to me be fulfilled. And I love it. Then the angel left. Angel's like, done, peace out, right? 
Mary's response to Gabriel is so like us. Her first question is how. Her first question is how? I mean, she's troubled. She has a few questions. Anyone else think you would be feeling the same way? You see, I think so many of us, when we get this sense from God, or we get this calling from God, or we even get a whisper from God, our very first question is, how, God? How's it going to happen? How's this all going to get worked out? How could this be? How could this happen? And Mary probably wanted the very same things that we want. She probably wanted approval, control, and security in her life. And now there's an angel in her living room that is telling her all of those things that you wanted, they're about to go away. All those things that you thought were important, all those modern bride magazines that you have over there to prepare for your marriage to Joseph, it's going to be done in secret now. You need to get rid of that. Call off the DJ. Call off the photographer. You see, Mary wanted the same things that we want. She wanted approval, control, and security. And now there's an angel in her living room that's telling her, Mary, I have a different plan. But in the face of that fear, Mary does something extraordinary. Instead of holding on and clinging tightly to what she wants, instead of trying to wrap her mind around the how, Mary lets go. She says, I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me according to your word. You see, I think so many of us, we, we let how keep us from wow. We let the how of what God is going to do in and through our lives keep us from the wow of what God is going to do in and through our lives. Here is an angel in the middle of Mary's living room, and she is about to become the mother of Jesus. Talk about a wow in somebody's life. And our propensity as humans is to go straight to how. And maybe you are missing the wow because you are so stuck on the how. You're so stuck on the how in your life and God has an amazing wow for you and he just wants you to be like Mary and say, may it be. I, I don't need to know how, God, but I trust that you are going to do wow in my life. I love what Scott McKnight says about this moment in his incredible book, The Real Mary. He says, we take Mary consenting to the angel's word for granted. You see, we need to consider her context, what it must have been like for a first century teenage Jewish woman to trust God and what it would have been like to then have to tell this conception story first to her family, then to Joseph, then to others in public, when we consider this context, we come into touch with Mary's extraordinary faith. And Mary's faith that is so extraordinary is a faith that was willing to let go. You see, I imagine Mary was filled with fear in that moment. She had to have been filled with fear in that moment, scared that she could lose her relationship with Joseph, 
that she may end up alone, talk about the desire for approval, scared that her reputation would be tarnished and she would wear a scarlet letter and be gossiped about and kind of pushed to the margins of her community, the desire for security, scared to become a parent and not just any parent, she was about to become the parent, the mother of God. You see, letting go doesn't mean that you will not have fear. You will have fear in letting go. Just because you let go doesn't mean that the fear goes away because we will never be free of fear, but we can be free from fear. We'll never be free of fear in this lifetime because the battle of letting go is not against fear. There will always be fear. Fear will always be present, but the battle is found in knowing that we can be free from fear. We can be free from the power that fear has on our lives. And in that moment, somehow Mary was free from the power of fear. She was aware that there was something more important going on. And she starts her journey as the mother of Jesus by saying some of the most courageous phrases in all of Scripture. May it be as you have said, Lord. May it be as you have said in my life. Those three little words. May it be. Those were probably the most courageous words that Mary uttered in her life because those words would change the course of her life forever. I imagine the the life that she wanted, the life that she desired, while the angel Gabriel was standing there in the middle of her living room, I imagine that life just kind of flashed before her eyes in that moment. The approval, the control, the security, the sweet little life that her and Joseph were going to have. They could just live in obscurity, have some babies, raise those babies, become a grandmother. She could have a beautiful life. And I imagine in that moment, her life flashed in front of her eyes. And she knew in that moment, if I say may it be, I am stepping into a whole different life. And it was the ending of what she thought she wanted. But it was the beginning of a radical trust in God throughout her life. How many of you know that what often feels like our ending is God's beginning? Come on, that that preaches, friends. How many of you know? How many of you know that what feels like your ending, that's where God is just getting started? where God is just getting started and Mary's response to the angel's announcement about what would take place in her life was a true prayer of not my will but yours be done. Not my will, God, but yours be done. And it was the beginning of many more moments throughout Mary's life where she modeled the power that comes from letting go. And you can just read through the Gospels and you can read through the relationship that Jesus had with Mary when her son first left her side at the age of 12 and and he went off to teach. I imagine she probably whispered, may it be, may it be, Lord. When Jesus left home to start his ministry, 
And Jesus was just getting started, but that was probably a moment where Mary had to let go of some of her dreams as a mother. The dreams that she had for her son, maybe the dreams for her son to be married, to have children, for her to be a grandma one day. She had to release those dreams, whisper, may it be. May it be, Lord, as you have planned. Or the moment at the cross where any mother would look at her child who's being tortured and is in anguish. I imagine every ounce and fiber in Mary's body wanted to pull her son down off of that cross and rescue him from that moment. But I imagine she just whispered, may it be. May it be, Lord. May it be. And those are just a few of the moments that are recorded in the scriptures. Can you imagine all the moments along the way of raising an actual perfect child? Some of you are raising children and your children think they are perfect. Mary actually raised a perfect child. Every morning, noon, and night, I imagine she had to say, may it be, Lord, may it be. He does know better than me. (laughs) And Mary's life Mary's life expressed a willingness to set aside her own personal wants in order to participate in the will of God as it unfolded in her life and ultimately as it unfolded for every person in human history because Mary's may it be moment has us 2,000 years later looking to her life and not just the willingness that she had to make her womb available to God, she made her whole life available to God. And that is why we look at Mary as a crazy, awesome girl boss of the Bible. That is because letting go requires more strength than holding on. Letting go requires so much more strength than holding on. And those of you that are leaders in this room, those of you that are in a position of influence, and there are a few of you that decided right now that you were gonna check your texts, you were gonna check your Facebook because you don't think you qualify in that category. Well, let me remind you, every person in this room is a person of influence, so that means I'm talking to every single one of you. You know, leaders are notorious for being people that have a vision. They're they're clear about what they want. They are determined. They are decisive. They love to direct others towards what they want to see happen in the world. And I will never forget the very first moment in my life where I was called out as a leader. I will never forget the very first time when, when somebody saw leadership in me. I have two younger brothers, and and I remember as a child, my, my younger brothers coming to me and saying, Jeannie, you are not the boss of us. And in that moment, they named me as a leader. 
and I received it. And I took it upon myself. And you know, throughout my life, um, that was not the only time that somebody said I was a leader. Um, I really didn't have any problems being in charge. Um, in fact, I preferred it. Um, but the majority of leadership pictures that I saw as a young girl, unfortunately, were often held only by men. And those pictures that I saw were usually pictures of someone that was bold, somebody that was dominant, somebody that was assertive. And so as a young leader, I began to follow suit. And as I tried on boldness and dominance and being assertive, lots of doors were opened to me. Opportunities were given. But over time, I began to see that that kind of leadership had a shelf life. That kind of leadership began to wear down. And I quickly saw that that is not the only way to lead. In fact, it's only a small sliver of what is needed in leadership. It was the tip of the iceberg. And God began to reveal and to show me that to become a leader worth following, to become a leader rooted in the character of Christ, that some of God's best work for me to become that kind of leader was through him walking me through many, 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 many moments of letting go of not holding on to what I saw and directing us towards it, but releasing, opening my hands, opening my heart. And this has been true over and over and over again in my life. It was true when I first started out on the path that I thought I should take for college and, and what I so wanted those doors closed, and I was so disappointed. And it was an opportunity to let go, to whisper, may it be, Lord. It was true early on in my ministry when I ended up clashing with another leader that I was working with, and I ended up having to let go of a position that I really loved. It was an opportunity to pray. May it be, Lord. It was true as I walked through the season when my kids were really young and my work life shifted and I, I couldn't figure out how to juggle it all. I, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I was walking through what felt like a perpetual season of an identity crisis and it was an opportunity for me to say, God, I... I let it go. May it be. You know, it was true in the starting of this church. Over and over and over and over again. And when I thought that I had finally let go, there was another opportunity for me to let go. 
in the starting of this church. It's been true, not just in the starting of this church, but in the leading of this church. As I've had to make decisions for Soul City, letting go of how those decisions are viewed, letting go of how others perceive me, letting go of what they say about me, letting go of disappointing you, letting go of people that move away from Soul City. You see, while no one goes looking for opportunities to let go, it is one of the best ways that God transforms us. It's one of the best ways that God transforms us. And some of you have your fingers wrapped so tightly around your will being done in your life. You have a plan for your life, and it is so very, very good. And you're just waiting for God to get on board with your plan for your life. And the only time that you invite God into that picture is when your circumstances get a little off course and and you ask him to just kind of redirect things according to your will, not his. And perhaps it's been a very long time since you have prayed a prayer like Mary prayed, where you say, may it be, Lord. May it be. You know, as we go into this week, I thought what a, what a perfect homework assignment for us to just practice this as a breath prayer. Perhaps when there's a, a moment this next week where you want to cling to approval, to just whisper, may it be. May it be, Lord. When you want to wrap your arms around control in your life and just squeeze it as tight as you can. May it be, Lord. When you want to do whatever you can to make yourself feel safe and secure, to just surrender and pray, may it be, Lord. You know, I told you that I I don't like messages to come out of me before they are first worked in me. And this past week for me, has been over and over and over again moments of those kinds of breath prayers. Lord, may it be, may it be areas where I want to make something different, may it be. Areas where I want to make something move faster than it's moving, may it be. Areas of disappointment, may it be. And so often, we are so tempted to make letting go so much harder than it needs to be. I was in my uh, last small group um, of of this past year, this last week, and we were gathering together, and we were kind of winding down for the evening, and um, a dear friend of mine who's in the group with me, she just said, you know, I have this sense that I'm supposed to read this poem for the group. I think it would be a perfect way for us to end our time together. And you ever have those moments where you're like, oh, you you didn't read this for the group. You read this for me. This poem 
was written for me. Insert my name. And she read this poem, and it was just a perfect reminder to me of how God invites us to let go. And while I felt like that poem was just for me, perhaps there are some of you, and this poem might be just for you. It's called She Let Go. She let go. Without a thought or a word, she let go. She let go of fear. She let go of the judgments. She let go of the confluence of opinions swarming around her head. She let go of the committee of indecision within her. She let go of all the right reasons wholly and completely, without hesitation or worry. She just let go. She didn't ask anyone for advice. She didn't read a book on how to let go. She didn't even search the scriptures. She just let go. She let go of all the memories that held her back. She let go of all the anxiety that kept her from moving forward. She let go of the planning and all of the calculations about how to do it just right. She didn't promise to let go. She didn't journal about it. She didn't write the projected date in her day timer. She made no public announcement and put no ad in the paper. She didn't even check the weather or read her daily horoscope. She just let go. She didn't analyze whether she should let go. She didn't call her friends to discuss the matter. She didn't do some five-step spiritual mind treatment. She didn't call the prayer line. She didn't even utter one word. She just let go. No one was around when it happened. There was no applause or congratulations. No one thanked her or praised her. No one noticed a thing like a leaf falling from a tree. She just let go. There was no effort and there was no struggle. It wasn't good and it wasn't bad. It was what it was. And it is just that. In the space of letting go, she let it all be. A small smile came over her face. A slight breeze blew through her, and the sun and the moon shone forevermore. Some of you know you are being invited to let go. You are being invited to pray that same courageous prayer of Mary, to say the words, may it be, Lord. May it be. And I want to walk us through an opportunity of practicing surrender, of practicing that breath prayer. And I'm going to read a phrase, and after I read that phrase, I'm going to say the words, Lord, help us trust you. And that's your indication to then say, may it be. So we're going to practice what it feels like to let these words come out of our very being. So for the things in our life that we want to happen that have yet to happen, Lord, help us to trust you. May it be. For the relationships in our lives that we want to create, control, 
or change. Lord, help us to trust you. For the security and safety that we want to generate on our own, Lord, help us to trust you. For those of us that are rehashing our past or rehearsing our futures, help us to receive the gift of the present moment. Lord, help us trust you. For the physical, financial, emotional, and spiritual needs in our lives, Lord, help us trust you. And for the personal and private prayers of each person here in this room, Lord, help us trust you. And we're going to experience together one of the most beautiful practices in letting go as we come to the communion table. You know, after Jesus gathered his disciples in the upper room, he broke bread and then he shared a cup of wine with them. And then he went out to a place called the Mount of Olives. And in a garden there, Jesus knew what was upon him. He knew that the cross was coming. He knew the anguish and the suffering that was about to endure. And I have to wonder if while he was praying, he recalled the prayer that perhaps his mother Mary prayed over him so very many times. Maybe it was the prayer as he began his day and she just prayed over her son, may it be Lord. Or maybe it was the prayer as she was tucking him into bed at night. May it be. But perhaps that is what allowed Jesus to pray in the garden. Not my will. Not my will, Lord. But yours be done. You know, we are able to pray that prayer in our lives. We are able to let go. We are able to say, may it be ultimately because the cross is the number one picture it is the most prized picture of what surrender looks like. It's the ultimate example of may it be. And that's why we can come to the communion table and celebrate today. So I want to invite our communion team to come forward. And they're going to begin passing out the elements. And you can grab a piece of gluten-free bread and a cup. And once everyone has the elements... We'll take them together. But as you're receiving them, I want to encourage you to take this moment and to begin to pray your own may it be prayer. You know what it is that you have wrapped your heart, your mind, and your life around. And you know where God is inviting you to let go. And so as we prepare to come to the communion table, take this opportunity of quiet and reflection to whisper and pray, may it be.